Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Brooke. And we're coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon. Brooke, did you know that CVEN is offering its certification exams at no charge? No way. What's the catch? (laughs) Brooke, there is no catch. From now until August 31st, anyone can certify in any of the CVEN solutions in just a few steps. First, you choose the certification that best suits your skills. Then you start studying for the exam. You can join a study group, binge on some online training videos, and take the test on your own time. After that, share your newly earned credentials with your network. Wait, this sounds a little too good to be true. Is this only for hotel and event professionals? Nope, this includes hospitality students as well. You know what, I did hear about this. I heard it also includes the new venue sourcing certification. That's for event planners and organizers who use the Cvent supplier network. Yep, and at no cost. Anyone can get certified by going to cvent.com slash podcast and click on the ad at the top of the page. You don't need a code or special link. This is free to all meetings and hospitality professionals through August 31st. And Cvent is offering free training as well. This is such a great opportunity for meeting planners, suppliers, and even students. Since March, over 12,000 professionals have registered to get certified. You can join them by going to cvent.com slash podcast. Today, we have Paulina Curto to kick off the first of our three-part series on virtual events. This episode is going to dispel the myth that when planning virtual events, you have to start from square one. Yeah, that's right. She comes with a wealth of knowledge and highlights that the fundamentals of the event doesn't change, whether in person or virtual. So don't throw out that event plan quite yet. And you know, she said something that really hit home for me. From a planner and marketer perspective, moving to a virtual event helps to showcase traditional skill sets that you already have, just in a new way. So let's get to the interview with Paulina. All right, Paulina, thank you so much for joining the podcast. And, you know, you've been on the podcast a couple of times, so we know who you are. Um, To start this off, though, let's talk about, you know, what's a good tip or trick you developed in the past couple of months? Yeah, uh, you know, I... I haven't had that much experience prior to these past few months working from home, but something that I've found has been really nice and and kind of brings me back to some semblance of of normal has been affording some time with people before meetings to socialize. I think it's really nice to sort of engage on that human level and it just makes it for, you know, a much more positive experience to ease into you know, whatever work-oriented conversation you have. So, you know, remember to socialize, keep it light with your colleagues. We're all doing this together and it's just a nice way to kick off meetings. So uh, socialize, socialize, socialize and work and then work. Such a good tip. We did that before we started this podcast recording (laughs) too. So I love that. Um, And we're super excited because this episode is actually kicking off a three-part series this week all about virtual events. This is part of Cvent's virtual week. And we wanted to really focus in on one key part here for this first um, episode, which is this misconception I think is out there. That is, if I'm going to pivot my events to virtual, I have to start all from the beginning. I have to start from square one with everything. And so we're really hoping in our conversation here with Paulina that we're going to be able to demystify, I guess, this misconception. And so let's start off with the question on everybody's minds, which is, do planners really need to start from scratch when they're going from in-person to virtual? 
look, you know, not all events are created equal. And in some cases, you might have to start from scratch or what feels like scratch. For example, a golf tournament or, I don't know, a, a VIP field marketing event in a box suite at the Super Bowl. That doesn't exactly immediately equate to a virtual experience. So you're going to have to likely go back to the drawing board. But, you know, that's not new for event planners. You know, as planners, it's in our DNA to kind of absorb and uh, approach change with open arms. We don't let it dishearten us. We're no strangers to, and I think I've talked about this on a previous podcast, you know, the concept of execute, unexecute, re-execute kind of mentality. So when you're approaching, you know, your event program and evaluating what makes sense to pivot, um, you know, there are bones to every event. And so it's really a matter of going back to those bones as opposed to, you know, the mindset of, oh no, I got to start all over. So um, it's not exactly efficient, but it's certainly, you know, not something new for us event professionals. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I feel like who better to really pivot to virtual than meeting planners that's in their DNA. They've already been doing, you know, changes on the fly in the past. So it's already there probably, but I imagine the thing that they're thinking about is where do I even start? So Paulina, where would they start when they're evaluating what needs to, or doesn't need to change when converting from an in-person to a virtual event? That's a great question. And honestly, you always start with your core event goals for hosting the event in the first place. And, you know, maybe this is an inflection point for you because you're thinking to yourself, ooh, I don't know if we have any, you know, defined goals for this particular event. This is the opportunity to work with your stakeholders, your peers, to really identify what those goals might be. But, um, you know, for a virtual event, it isn't exactly a one-to-one -one transformation. And so you have to look at those goals and think to yourself, are we maintaining the integrity of these goals if we were to uh, you know, pivot to virtual? Once you can confirm that hosting the event in a virtual format still upholds the goals of, of the event, um, you just need to ensure that you communicate that with your stakeholders. That's something I think that is huge because in many cases, we're all approaching or um, producing an event um, from different perspectives. And it might not necessarily always be that this is you know, a for sure, let's pivot to virtual kind of experience. So make sure you're, you're cataloging and recording why this, this pivot makes sense and communicating in a really articulate way to those who might not be coming from the same perspective. And I love how you touched on goals there, because I know in a previous conversation, we had talked about even that golf event, for example, it may feel like you're starting from scratch, but you still have the, the fundamentals there. The goal of that event might be um, just engaging with your like customers or your top prospects. And there are ways to still reach that goal virtually. So a lot of times too, so a golf event, you know, this could be a different scenario, but we're talking, when we're talking about things like even, you know, Steven connect, right? We're, we're going virtual this year. There's all of this content that's been developed. And I imagine a lot of planners are in the same place where we knew what we wanted to talk about at our live event. We'd already started building out the content. Do they have to scrap all of that and start from the beginning? You know, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I do want to, to share, though, it is important that the type of content you intend to feature doesn't make sense, you know, in this small screen kind of format. Um, for example, in a virtual environment, you're working with very different constraints than that, those of, uh, you know, in-person face-to-face event. Um, 
predominantly being attention span. So you really want to be thoughtful about whatever content um, or your content delivery is. If your program lends itself to, you know, data-heavy content, PowerPoint driven, um, you really want to think about unique ways to break up the monotony of a slide after slide kind of experience. And, you know, my colleague, Alyssa, who, you know, we work tandem um, throughout this entire pivot to, or pivot um, in our program, she has this great phrase where the more dynamism on screen, honestly, the more captivated your audience will be. And that's, that's a matter of saying, you know, break up the types of content, um, you know, try to coach your speakers to be as authentic and um, engaged with the camera as possible. Um, you know, talking with your hands, I've heard, actually humanizes the speaker a little bit. So there are some great best practices in terms of how you can uh, manage your content delivery in a virtual environment. And, you know, for those events that maybe aren't necessarily super content heavy, but might be more experience or experientially driven, um, you know, there are some really unique uh, ideas that are coming out of this in terms of having a experiential virtual event or virtual program. I've heard um, flair bartending um, has been a really cool and kind of cutting edge type of experience that, that people are integrating in, in more of a networking, socializing type of environment. So you just gotta be cognizant of the type of content and the delivery and making sure that it's as dynamic as possible so that you know, our shorter or abbreviated attention spans aren't lost. Wait, what is flair bartending? Flair bartending is essentially, imagine going to a bar and your bartender has some really cool tricks, you know, whether he's like throwing the shaker in the air, but slicing a lime yeah. as he's doing it. That's kind of the experience, but it's, it's essentially a cocktail making class with this added dynamism on the screen. I've seen I've seen flair bartending before and there's a lot of sometimes they they light things on fire it's very showy so yeah. cool the next time Paulina you see a virtual flair bartending please let me know I really want to got the invite <laughs> <laughs> now I think that with all these changes that have happened and you know companies are telling their meeting planners that they're canceling the, these events and they're actually going to pivot to virtual instead I can just imagine some of these meeting planners having like a deer in headlights, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I need to plan a whole new event. But, you know, are they really planning a whole new event? You know, how should they be thinking about that? No, you really don't need to be thinking about this as if you're planning a, you know, brand new event. Uh, more than likely, you've got some great bones um, that have come about from a, a very comprehensive pre-planning process. And, you know, I would say it's, it's not ineffective if you were to take traditional pre-planning for a in-person or live event um, steps and equate them to the virtual planning process, right? You know, just because you might not have your hotel venue um, in place, you still need to ensure that you have a venue per se in the virtual environment. And whether that's, you know, a, a hosted platform, are you leveraging a video conferencing tool? Um, you know, it's, those sort of sourcing and pre-planning steps are still very much in line with our traditional roles. Um, you know, in addition to the venue component, um, there really is the, the thought process of, you know, does this event, which is traditionally five days, need to be five days in a virtual format? No. And quite honestly, you know, my team and I have discussed this at length, and, and we think that, you know, cutting your traditional event by 50% 
is probably a good formula to um, you know use when you're uh, transforming it to a virtual experience you know reducing that content overall and then evaluating like we were just talking about how long should a session really be you know in in a in-person event you see sessions be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour well we're working with different you know constraints people are you know doing laundry and answering phone calls while they're all sitting at their desk and so we were talking about this limited attention span well maybe the time frame for your breakouts should be cut in half too. So looking to be more of that 25 minute, maybe 35 minute type of content delivery in a program, in a breakout session. Um, you know, in addition to the actual framework of the event, you wanna think about what does your post-event experience look like? You know, are you leveraging data? Is there a post-event marketing campaign? Um, all of that is very, very much ingrained in the traditional event planning process and super, super important in the virtual environment as well. I would almost argue that it might be even more important um, because all of your engagements have happened in a more truncated timeframe. Well, I mean, I know the misconception is here, I have to start at square one with everything. And it sounds like, I mean, like you're saying, the bones of the event, the real structure, you know, the the goals, those are all staying the same. Just making minor tweaks with the, the idea in mind that you aren't in a venue, you know, and taking that into consideration and the content may need to be shorter because of shorter attention spans. What are some other major things that planners don't need to change when they're switching to virtual? Registration is a huge piece to your, your event program. And, you know, is it a matter of how you catalog your registrants? Are they members, non-members? Are they customers or prospects? Um, you know, all of that is still very important to the entire process. Um, I think also, you know, leveraging your peers um, and ins ensuring that um, the program is supported with a core team. You know, in traditional perspectives, we think of, you know, core planning teams, we have war rooms. Similarly, we can equate those, those exact types of, of processes to, to the virtual environment. I know um, as we're planning our annual user conference, Event Connect, we've got um, a number of Slack channels that we're communicating on. And one of them is titled, you know, Cvent Connect Virtual War Room. And, you know, just as we would be engaging in our core committee meetings in person in the office and, you know, stand, daily standups on site um, in our war room, we're leveraging that, that type of technology to support that exact type of, of pre-planning. Gosh, I really love this. I think that it's, it's a really good point to hit home with everybody that, you know, I think that we are, a little like intimidated by by switching to virtual, but it's really not because starting from square one, there are some things that need to be changed, but really it's not everything. And I think that's a really good point to hit home with everybody. You know, Pauline, it's been great to have you on here to help us dispel this myth. If you had to leave just one takeaway or piece of advice with our listeners, what would that be? You know, I, I think many of us when we, you know, everything seemed to have to happen very quickly and it almost felt like we needed to mourn the loss of live events and it took a minute for me to really understand what that meant um, and i had to accept the fact that live events in-person events were going to be put on hold for a little while sort of compartmentalize that and prepare myself to embrace the opportunity for the wild wild west of virtual events and so just 
you know, take the time you need to compartmentalize that things are going to change and then prepare yourself with a fresh perspective that just because it's change doesn't mean it's harder or, um, you know, more cumbersome. It's an opportunity for us to showcase all of our traditional skill sets and in a new way and embrace kind of a new event frontier. Love it. Well, Paulina, thank you again for joining the podcast. Is there anything you want to promote or share with our listeners? Um, any you know examples of some really great virtual events that they can maybe attend? Um, well, of course, I'd love to put in a shameless plug for Cvent Connect Virtual. Um, I'm so excited about it. We have a great team supporting all of the amazing content and really cool production elements. So definitely encourage all of you to register uh, when you can. And that is August 25th and 26th. Perfect. Well, thank you, Paulina. Wow, what a great conversation with Paulina. It's so interesting to hear how she talks about moving to virtual. It doesn't mean you're starting from scratch. A lot of the same elements still exist. Yeah, and I love that she mentioned that we're almost mourning the loss of live events. And I think we've all felt that, right? But there's this new energy that comes with planning virtual and a skill set that's going to help us even as we move back to live or you know, more likely hybrid events. Yeah, and to get more episodes and exclusive content, head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. We included a banner for Cvent Connect, so register today. And if anyone out there has some insights into the future of the industry, please let us know by emailing us at podcast at cvent.com. We would love to have you on the show. Before you guys know it, we'll have another great episode. So we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.